What's up, people? It's a new episode of Just for Sport, and I know it's been a while. Jamoke here. I have taken a rather long break from doing the pod, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm excited. I feel like I have almost too much to talk about. As I have been taking notes of things that happened while I was away. And I knew I was going to be away. But I can't get into too much. It's just a lot. And I figured, you know, you're giving me some of your time. You're lending me your ear. You're listening to me. And I really appreciate it. And so I'm not going to make it a two-hour show, which I could. I could talk sports all day. But I'm going to keep it at my normal you know, just around 20 minutes. But it was tough trying to come up with what I did want to talk about. There are a lot of topics out there currently. The Olympics are going on. The Bucks are NBA champions 50 years after their first championship with the greatness that is Bob Dandridge. Of course, you're going to say the greatness is Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But I know Bob Dandridge personally. And I've heard him talk fondly of his time with the Bucks, And I saw him actually uh, walking out onto the court with Oscar and Kareem before game four. So I was excited. I texted him. I said, glad you made it to the arena. Fearing the deer. The Suns fear the deer. But it's also the dead zone in sports. You know, once the basketball NBA championship is over, yeah, there's still baseball going on, but it's like in the middle of the season. It's after the All-Star break. It's just not much action. And luckily, we've got the Olympics to kind of save us. So I'm, I'm watched my first two Olympic events the other day. A little bit of soccer. I was watching softball last night with my son. USA versus Canada. Didn't make it to the end. It was 0-0 when I fell asleep. So the summer's tough. But... Not really if you are, if you just enjoy sports. If you can just enjoy sports, then you're good. Then you're good. And there are a lot of things I'm going to get into today with the Olympics. And even the Paralympics. Just want to give a shout out to Novak Djokovic. He is the greatest of all time, yes. Think he's going to get that Golden Slam this year. He'll win the Olympic gold medal and win the U.S. Open. It's probably that one window, one chance for him to do it. And I'm rooting for him because I like to see history. Speaking of history, I have a history with the City Open in Washington, D.C., which I plan to get to a match or two, hopefully. But Rafa Nadal is playing in the tournament. That's a big deal. That is a big deal for two reasons. One, it's been a long time since somebody of that level has played in a tune-up tournament, so to speak, as, as is the City Open. But Rafa, you know what's happening with him. He is eyeing that U.S. Open as a way to get back, and he wants to make sure that he's in tip-top shape and playing the 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 best of his abilities playing at the best of his abilities going into the u.s open city open is a good tune-up for that that's exactly what it is 
it's a tune-up for it. They used to be a ball kid there. I still play with a racket that Andre Agassi gave to my brothers, and thus they gave it to me because they didn't play tennis. So I still play with that racket. Euro Championships. Italy won. Now, Italy won, but I do think that England may have had a better chance if you didn't have a little kid taking that fifth penalty, not penalty kick, shootout in the shootout. I just, you know, I thought it should have been someone of a more prominent stature if there was a situation that came up like this, where you had the last shot being taken uh, for a chance to either keep the um, shootout going or lose. And England lost to Italy. So it goes. MLB All-Star Game, I watched some of it. I watched a little bit more of the Home Run Derby. I was hoping for a Nats-Orioles Home Run Derby between Juan Soto and Trey Mancini. It didn't come to be. Trey Mancini did make it to the finals for the Orioles, but Pete Alonso of the Mets won. It was cool. Um, I did also tune in because I wanted to see Shohei Otani pitch and bat, which was something that I've becoming, I've been more and more excited about. So... It's been quite a, a few weeks. It has been enjoying sports and vacation as I have. NFL training camp is beginning now as teams are reporting. And this is exciting because it means the beginning of football, although it also means two, man, long months, really three, I guess. It seems like three before the actual season begins and first kickoff. Hall of Fame game, and don't you know, it's, it's exciting, but it's really when that regular season starts, the first kickoff. Now, the thing is, I don't like Thursday night football kicking off the season. I wish they stuck to the 1 o'clock on Sunday. But, you know, I mean, it, it's a new day. New day. And really not that new. They've been doing it for a while, it seems like. But for me... I have always been like, no, 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 no. Let's let's not do this Thursday night to start it. But it's going to be a good one. Cowboys at the Buccaneers Thursday, September 9th, 8.20 p.m. on NBC. I'm going to have that circled on my calendar. Now, what just ended on the calendar was the NBA Finals. And the Milwaukee Bucks are the champions of the NBA. 50 years. 1971 was the last time they won the championship. And the thing is, I I did going into the game, I thought that the, or rather the series, I thought that the Suns had the momentum. I thought that they were the better team. But maybe it was way too much hype. You know, there's a good chance it was way too much hype. Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I saw this stat, and I should have saved it, but I think he and Michael Jordan are the only two players ever in the NBA with multiple Defensive Player of the Year championships and MVP in the NBA Finals, multiple MVPs of the league. It's two people, Giannis and Michael Jordan, and that's amazing. That really is amazing. And as I watched the game and, you know, you saw it unfold and you're like, wait a minute, what is happening here? You can't help but root for Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can't help but root for Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday. 
Bobby Porter's former Washington Wizard. I love that every year. It seems that some other former Washington Wizard that the team was like, eh, we can do without him. They find a way to flourish with their next team. Sometimes it takes one or two teams, but it just seems like players that were on the Wizards is fun to root for when you see them going to another team and doing well. And this year it was Bobby Portis. I don't think there was another former Wizard. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, he did what you would hope most players can and should do. He didn't change teams when it was time for his big contract extension. This team drafted him, and he wanted to stay with this team. He signs an extension. He talks about winning an NBA championship with this team. He even shouted out the former GM that drafted him, John Hammond, and they won the title. And in many ways, I don't think he won it or rather, I should say he won it with his free throw shooting as they won game six to defeat the Phoenix Suns 105 to 98. It was quite amazing to see how Giannis would calmly shoot free throws and specifically more in that fourth quarter. I mean, the guy averaged 35 points, 35 points in the series it was just amazing it was amazing to watch him and there was a part of me that was not disappointed because it's not about just about Giannis it's more about the way the league is set up that I don't necessarily feel that you are able to, how should I say it, defend the way you were in the past. I've said it before in this podcast. Giannis starts, you know, midway between the half court line and three point line, and he just starts running at you, dribbling. No one with Giannis's ability his athleticism, his height, no one in the NBA can defend him. No one. Because you can't hand check. Maybe you can get away with a charge here or there. But with his athleticism, with the sidesteps, that's what he does. He's just amazing. And I didn't want to take away from the way he was playing. But he's hard to defend. That's what I'm saying. But he was 17 of 19 from the free throw line. So 17 of his 50 points, 50, 5-0, came from the free throw line. And that's not a thing where it's like, oh, I'm really trying to take away from his three, his free throws, but more that teams recognize that that was a weakness and they tried to exploit it and he made him pay. Now the rest of the team didn't, I wouldn't say that they played great. It wasn't poorly. It was average. Chris Middleton, 17 points in game six. Drew Holiday, four of 19 from the field, by the way. 12 points. Bobby Portis off the bench, six of 10, 16 points. On the other side, Devin Booker probably need to have a much better game than he did. 
He was only 8 of 22 for 19 points. He needed a 30, 40-point game in order to make this a Game 7, and he didn't get it. DeAndre Ayton, 12 points, 4 of 12. Not doing well having to try to guard Brooke Lopez and or Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's not possible. The bench didn't play that great either for the Suns. Cameron Payne at 10 points, but, you know, just wasn't their night. It didn't help that Scott Foster was the referee either. If you don't know about this, the record of Scott Foster refing Chris Paul games, I don't remember the exact record, but it's not bad. Matter of fact, I should look it up because I, I need to remember this. But it's it's... It's not good, and it doesn't get past me anyway whatsoever to think that maybe the league kind of did that on purpose. I don't know. I mean, of course, they certainly don't want to say that they have him in a situation like that, refing on purpose. No. But Chris Paul is 0-12 in his last 12 playoff games officiated by Scott Foster, 2-16 in his career. So you pretty much knew, right? You knew going into this game. You can find this great tweet by Tom Haberstroh where he basically was using stickies to show how bad Scott Foster uh, is an omen for Chris Paul. And it's unfortunate because I would have liked to see a game without any additional drama and you had that added drama with Scott Foster refing the game. So you kind of already knew, right? I mean, it's weird, but I was like, okay, well, the Suns are going to lose tonight and they did. Now, another thing that people have um, picked up on and it was trending a little bit, talked about how, oh, the Bucks did it the right way because they're not a super team. And it's not like, I mean, we could go down the list. LeBron James with the Heat. LeBron James with the Lakers. You can go back to KG with the Celtics. KG as in Kevin Garnett with the Celtics. KD as in Kevin Durant with the Warriors. And now with the Nets. KG, when you talk about the Celtics, you know, it was Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, then they tried it again with the Nets with KG and Ray and excuse me and Paul Pierce. I don't think Ray Allen was on that team too. And now the Nets are trying it again with KD and and Harden and and Kyrie Irving. But the funny thing for me is that yeah, I guess you could you could say the thing is Chris Middleton was a trade in in the very early time of his career. Drew Holiday, who I think was integral to this championship in the way he was not just making some key buckets when they needed him to, but also the way he defended against Chris Paul. He was a trade going into this season. And towards the end of the season, I said, OK, I could finally stop saying that they missed Malcolm Brogdon because Drew Holiday filled that void. The Bucks obviously realized that there was a void and filled it almost perfectly to a T with Drew Holiday. But this notion of, oh, well, 
the Bucks aren't a super team and they did it the right way. I mean, there's a lot of things you could say about this championship. You could talk about the injuries, the injuries to Anthony Davis, the injuries on the Nets. There's no way the Bucks could have beat the Nets if Kyrie Irving and James Harden and KD were healthy. They just wouldn't have had this championship. But let's not try to take it away from them. They are facts. But when you then talk about the super teams, I mean, heck, Michael Jordan, they knew they needed a superstar to to basically help Jordan and Pippen for the second round of the three championships. And so they bring in Dennis Rodman. The Lakers went after Shaq and drafted Kobe. Heck, Chris Paul, we call him the point god who can't win a title. He may have won a title some years back with Kobe Bryant if David Stern didn't stop the trade from the New Orleans Hornets sending Chris Paul to the Lakers. And David Stern stopped it. Even my team, the Washington Bullets, they added Bobby Dandridge some years, a few years after he won the Bucks championship. They added him to the Bullets. And what do they do? They win the NBA championship. So uh, this notion, you know, uh, the Lakers traded for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and then drafted Magic Johnson. Teams aren't just built on drafts. And it's almost unfair to say, oh, well, if a player has to trade for a player, that it's, it's not right. Now, I will say when you looked at the Heat more recently and the Warriors, yeah, they were stacked. The Heat had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. The Warriors have four All-Stars when they got Kevin Durant. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, who I'd say is the weakest of the All-Stars, and Klay Thompson. Four All-Stars on one team. That should have been a dynasty, and it blew up. Okay, they won one, but it didn't go as planned in my mind, or else they still be together. They would still be together, and they're not. So when I look at this team, and and I mean in the Bucks, it was quite a sight to see, the joy, you know, seeing Giannis crying when he realized, oh wait, I, I'm an NBA champion. This is amazing. And he's an NBA Finals MVP. That's amazing. And one thing as I wrap up this NBA Finals talk, what's amazing is Chris Middleton. Not only is he an all-star, but I really want to make sure that you know how great Chris Middleton has been. The Bucks are 5-0 in the postseason when Chris Middleton scores 30-plus points in a game. Now, granted, he didn't do that in this game six. But he has done something that no other NBA player has done in the last 25 years. He has the most game-tying or go-ahead shots in the fourth quarter overtime in a single NBA playoffs. The most ever. In late in the game when you needed big buckets, and Giannis was okay with this, and that's the beauty of it. You gave Chris Middleton the ball, and he made the shots you needed to win. 
He bested LeBron James, who in 2007 had 15. In the last 25 years, LeBron James is second and Chris Middleton is in first place. And not that you don't understand that perspective, but to think that, you know, you you got to be ice cold. When a team's giving you the ball, they're like, hey, we're going to win it or lose it if you make this basket. And Chris Middleton has made more than he's missed. And I just want to give a shout out to him for that. He's been great. And now he's got to find a way. He and Holiday and Booker are now going to be teammates on the Olympics, which should be fun. Which should be fun. And hopefully they can uh, laugh and joke about it maybe when the Olympics are over. Or once the games start, I guess. Maybe that's when they can enjoy it. And that takes us to the Olympics as we get ready for an Olympics without Sha'Carri Richardson, by the way, which is kind of sad. You know, I really was hoping she, they would work it out. But these games are, you've seen USA Basketball lose two exhibition games on the men's and women's side. Women's soccer they need to right the ship. I mean, it's crazy to think that the U.S. women's national team lost their first game. They lost to Sweden 3-0 in their opening match. They had a 44-match unbeaten streak. Now, the thing for me, you know, why do we have these knockout rounds and medal matches I just don't like it. This You lose, you're out. That should be it. You lose, you're out. I don't know. I guess it seems weird. I mean, I guess I kind of get it in swimming and, and track and field. Their heats. But I don't like it. And the other thing that's going to really mar these games outside of some of the gaffes by Japanese officials, some recent comments that they've made, some that have been unsurfaced from years back. But COVID, as we knew, is going to really mar these games. We've already had a country in Guinea pulling out because of the virus. There are several players that have already pulled out of the games, including Bradley Beal, who couldn't play for USA Basketball because of testing positive for COVID. Ooh, but my God, JaVale McGee gets to play for the Olympics. I sent him a message. I had to, I had to. I'm excited about that. But no fans in the stands. It's just going to be a weird Olympics. A beach volleyball player from USA is out. Some players who are already over there are quarantining. But Tokyo as a whole hit another six-month high in new COVID cases. And I know it's tough. Like, for the Olympics, you want to say you're moving forward. I even took a poll. Michael Lee had a poll on Twitter and said, do you think they should go forward and cancel? And I said, no, I think they should move forward. But I do, I am conflicted. There are a number of people that are dying of COVID. Dying of COVID. 
and the protocols that are put in place that are preventing, you know, I mean, even when you look at the um, Paralympics and the controversy, the controversy with, and she's not the only person, but you think about uh, Becca Myers. She's a Paralympic swimmer who's deaf and blind. And she was not able to take her personal care assistant with her to the Olympics. These Olympics are just, they're different. And I think that it's been a tough decision for a lot of the officials to decide who gets to go. Should we hold the games? Is it all about money? And the problem is that, no, it's not all about money, but in the end it is. And I think that when you are trying to make the decision if the game should go on, if you cancel them, yes, you are hurting a lot of people. Financially, I know it's easy to say, yep, and you're hurting the coffers of all the IOC officials and anybody else who's making millions off of the Olympics. Yeah, we know that that's a part of it. But there are also a lot of people who don't make a lot of money that needed the Olympics to happen. A small business that was going to make a little bit of money, a little bit of money with the athletes coming in. And obviously no fans this could potentially still hurt some small businesses and big businesses. It's difficult when you hear, oh, you know, you don't care about people. You know, human life doesn't matter to you. It's all about money. But it's not easy when you hear that on both sides of the fence. And I willingly admit I am on that fence. And I'm losing my balance as I recognize that I'm watching the games. Because I feel like if you're like, no, we shouldn't have the games, then you should be protesting. You shouldn't be watching. And I'm watching. And I hope you will too. Especially, it's the, it's the, the dead zone of, of summer sports. Not much happening. And now you get the Olympics to carry you till the football season. Of course, if you like baseball, then you're good. And I do like baseball too, so I've been watching that as well. But I'm going to end it here on the podcast. I'm back. Enjoy a weekend of sports. I hope you will too. I'll be back on Monday. Ciao for now.